I'm calling the January Recording 26th. in progress. Okay, I'll do that again. I'm calling the January 26th, uh, 2023 regular Board of Trustees meeting to order. Linda, will you please call the roll? Yes. President Wong? Here. Vice President Martinez? Here. Trustee Chisty? Present. Trustee Green? Here. Trustee Solomon? Here. Trustee Van Chung? Present. Trustee Williams? Present. Student Trustee Villalobos? Present. You have quorum. Okay, thank you. I will now read the land acknowledgement statement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatish Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their ter traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. Linda, um, do we, oh, next uh, agenda item is a closed session. Linda, do we have any public comment for this item? Yes, Harry Bernstein. Okay. Press the button. Um, yes, I want to, uh, so this is your first regular board meeting. Congratulations, we've reached that milestone. Um, I just want to express appreciation that you uh, accepted the suggestion to have the closed session be uh, done at a time certain so that uh, not only can the district save money by not having the People doing captions sit around while you sit for two or three hours, but have one hour and you may have other business than that. Um, I'm also seeing this is your meeting with legal counsel. It brings up the question I know some of you talked about is um, how much legal representation does the district need? Does there need to be a perpetual presence here? or how do you figure that out to make it economical, but also to have uh, prudent advice uh, when you need it? Thank you. That concludes public comment for this item. Okay, is there a motion to approve the closed session agenda? Moved. And moved by uh, Trustee, uh, uh, Vice President Martinez and seconded by uh, Trustee Chung. Linda, will you please call the roll? Uh, student trustee Villalobos advisory vote. Aye. President Wong? Aye. Vice President Martinez? Yes. Trustee Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Solomon? Aye. Trustee Van Chung? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. The motion passes. Okay, we will recess for a closed session and return at 5.30 p.m. Thank you.
Okay, look at two chargers <laughs> for two laptops. <laughs> and we have two laptops with you. Yes. It's kind of annoying, but.
Turn, okay, we are reconvening for um, open session. We have the following reportable actions. In closed session, the board authorized a settlement in the amount of uh, $395,000 to Ramona Coates in exchange for full release of all claims against the district. This matter was approved unanimously. Secondly, in closed session, the board authorized a settlement in the amount of $260,000 to Germany Lacroix in exchange for full release of all claims against the district. This matter was approved unanimously. Uh, so this time we return at about 5.44 and we're uh, still working on it, but you know, we, we said we uh, set a time and we, uh, I think we came back uh, earlier than we expected. So we're gonna be working on making sure that we come back uh, uh, timely and if uh, we have more than necessary to discuss, we're gonna discuss it at the end of the, the meeting so that the public can have an opportunity to uh, uh, comment and participate in the meeting. All right, um, on to the next item, which is public comment. Linda, do we have any public comment for items not on the agenda? Yes, we do. Uh, Dana J. Recording, recording in progress. Greetings, everyone. Dana J. Lebrecht with Broadcast Electronic Media Arts. I'm here to report about the impact of the layoffs in my department and what's that's, what that has caused. Um, in BEMA, it's only taken one semester for us to be reduced to one-third of what we used to be. We have been uh, Northern California's premier audio, video, and digital media department 
um, sending students out to amazing jobs that paid really well. And unfortunately, um, now that we're dripping one intermediate course out at a time among those three parts of the discipline, um, it's impossible for students to even finish in two years, the way the impacts are, have happened. There was an edict by the chancellor on May 26th that basically said departments with layoffs could not hire the full-timer back for 39 months, could not bring back any part-time faculty, and, um, and the full-time faculty remaining could not teach an overload. So I canceled half of the fall schedule that was all enrolled um, that summer, and then I went about reducing our programs because I could see the writing on the wall, there'd be no way to complete. And I also deactivated several courses and I reduced the capstone courses. They're the, they're the most um, advanced courses from four units to two units so that we can get students through. I've basically taken the program and had to make it less than what it was and I still don't see how I'm going to be able to offer the classes that they need. We went from eight faculty to four faculty and we lost our two faculty of color. Um, so I don't think we're gonna be able to last beyond another year if we cannot, well, there's no way to grow if we can't just at least have back what we had. So I just thought everyone should know there's other CTE departments that have been affected in the same way, as well as you know, academic departments that also have this. So I just wanted to report that, thank you. Next is Harry Bernstein. Yes, thank you. Um, it is my understanding that um, much discussed at the end of last year was the uh, was at the request of the I think interim dean at Mission that there would be a consolidation of ESL programs at Mission. I think what it meant that there were still programs at Chinatown and Ocean, but it was the program at the Evans, at the uh, John Adams campus that would be gutted in order to provide e uh, e uh, units, basically, for the consolidation and expansion of the program at Mission, uh, thus letting down the people in the western part of the city. Uh, it's my understanding that this board has never had a chance to weigh in on this. I know some of the board members are fully aware of it. Uh, I've heard, in fact, a possible proposal to introduce some late start uh, ESL classes at John Adams to take advantage of the continued interest in that, um, in that site. Also, just to support what uh, Dana Jay and I think maybe one of the other um, department chairs will say, uh, no board voted on the um, removal, uh, on, on the enforcement of the 39 uh, months of not being able to hire uh, uh, a full-time faculty back, which means all the part-time faculty as well and cutting um, part-time, uh, I'm sorry, cutting cl full classes to put that into effect makes no sense. It's 
counterindicated. Thank you. Next is Stephen Brown. Good evening, trustees and the new trustee board members. Um, I want to congratulate you on your elections and also um, hope that you have a great tenure on the board. I'm here to back up Dana Jay and Harry Bernstein's comments about the faculty layoffs. The full-time layoff of the faculties have created a huge problem. I think of it as an atom bomb in the college. And I want to invite you to meet with the 14 departments that are affected by the layoffs of not only the full-time faculty, but also a lot of part-time faculty, because it really has damaged the programs that we promised the community and students in a huge way, far more than I believe the administration is reporting to you. And so I invite you to, would invite you to try to set up some kind of a meeting with the 14 affected departments but I implore you to do what you can to reinstate the faculty that were laid off. And I want to call attention to the fact that that layoff has created a huge amount of problems for all of the faculty that lost their jobs, lost their careers, and it's affecting people's health as well as their livelihoods. So I know that for our department alone, the trustees have heard from many people in the community, from a lot of students, and we really haven't heard anything back about the, um, what the Board of Trustees is going to be able to do to try to help us restore our programs. Um, I mostly speak for my department, but I know that there are many departments that are hugely affected by this issue and implore you again to please try to do something about it as quickly as possible. Thank you. Next is Michael Adams. Hello again, everyone, in, in real life. <laughs> Appreciate uh, you being here. We are uh, <clears throat> hopeful that in ongoing meetings that there can be some kind of a simple device that that uh, relates to progress on various issues that the board has to deal with. So if it's enrollment, it would be great to hear. We heard some great data in your flex day meeting, but it seems to me parts of that flex day reporting could happen at every board meeting so that those of us who have faith in this board, especially since we've got some new members who have pledged to alter processes and be more inclusive, uh, it would just be, it would give us the ability to defend this board and this institution by having real-time reporting, as minor as it might be. If we cleaned up a building, put that on the agenda. If we added some parking, spaces, oversight, please put that on the agenda. If our police department is uh, solving issues on the campus, put that on the agenda so that we can see trends in the right direction, not just waiting for one State of the Union address, if that makes sense to you. As minor as they might be, thank you, Dr. Green, 
as minor as these things might seem, they're major to folks who are individually affected by it. So I, I'm just here to, to try to be encouraging and plead with you to give us that opportunity to defend what you're doing out there because this election that seated some board members was about, in part, lack of progress information, lack of understanding, lack of awareness of, of where the board is going. So appreciate that. Thank you very much. That concludes public comment for items not on the agenda. Okay. Next, we have approval of the minutes. Uh, Linda, do we have any public comment for this item? Yes, Harry Bernstein. Is there a motion to uh, approve the the minutes from the December 8th, uh, 2022 and December 22nd, 2022 uh, Board of Trustees meetings? I'll move approval. Okay, is there a second? Second. All right. I Sorry, I'd like to make um, um, an amendment to the December 22nd um, minutes. Um, for the item, um, it is item C215. It's um, the resolution for um, in-person classes increase, and I had abstained, and it says aye. So if we could make that friendly amendment, please. Does the maker of the motion and the secondary accept the mm -hmm. amendment? Okay. Um, Linda, well, can you please call the roll? Uh, student trustee Villalobos advisory vote. Aye. President Wong? Yes. Vice President Martinez? Yes. Trustee Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Solomon? Yes. Trustee Van Chung? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. Next, we have the constituent group reports. I want to note that there's been uh, some, some change to the agenda. So we we recognize that two minutes is not that much time, so we increased it to um, to three minutes. And also, um, uh, in my conversations with the, the chancellor, we're going to uh, adjust the um, the agenda so that if our constituent groups want to submit a written report that is available for all to read and they can refer to when they're speaking, if they provide it timely to uh, our administration, we can ensure that it's included in the, the reports as a, a attachment so that uh, if folks don't feel like they have enough um, time to uh, present the report, it can be referenced in the, the agenda. Um, I'm happy to take any comments uh, offline from any of the constituent groups in touch base. Um, let's begin with our student ch uh, chancellor's report. Hi, can you hear me? We can. Hello? Yeah. Okay, I just wasn't sure, sorry. Um, so I just wanted to start by wishing everyone a happy new year and to those that celebrate the Lunar New Year, um, may the year of the rabbit be a prosperous one for you and your families. Um, I also wanted to take the time to congratulate our newest members of the Board of Trustees, Trustee Anita Martinez, Trustee Susan Solomon, Trustee Vic Van Chung, and Trustee Green on your election. And congratulations to President Alan Wong and Vice President Anita Martinez for having been selected for their respective roles. I'm going to introduce myself as we have new members. My name is Heather Brandt. I am a working student parent and mother of three currently serving as CCSF student chancellor, as well as the delegate on behalf of CCSF within the Student Senate for California Community College, Colleges. 
Um, as always, there's a lot going on at City College of San Francisco, and it's virtually impossible to encapsulate it all in a three-minute report, but I appreciate the additional minute to be able to attempt to do so. I first wanted to give some transit updates and begin by saying thank you to the Athletics Department for allowing student representatives and leaders the use of their van, and to Chancellor Martin for driving student trustee Malena Livia Lobos, um, Executive Council Treasurer Emily Oriol, Stephanie Romero, Angelica Campos and myself to Sacramento as we lobbied and rallied for fare-free uh, student transit passes on January 10th. I would also be remiss if I did not take the time to thank former uh, trustee Thea Selby for her continued efforts and for securing funding to help make this trip a possibility as well as Dean Coffey for ensuring that we had access to those funds and snacks along the way. I appreciate all the ways in which you look out for students. And last, uh, but definitely not least, to the students who made it out and took the time out of their busy lives, taking time off of work, um, and whom sought, some of whom sought uh, childcare to be present at the state capitol amid um, inclement weather. And to the students uh, whom we all work to serve that weren't able to be in attendance, we brought you in spirit. Um, our efforts to organize and mobilize are for you, and without you, we would not have nothing to fight for. It is on days like um, that of January 10th that I am exceptionally proud and grateful for the ways in which we come together as a community to tackle issues. The work continues and we will be meeting with assembly member Matt Haney to further discuss transit and, the, and in the latter part of Fab, February, hope to host a basic needs listening forum for students here at City College of San Francisco in collaboration with the Student Senate for California Community Colleges. We have extended invitations to assembly member Phil Ting and Senator Scott Weiner. If anyone is interested in, in being a part of these ongoing efforts, please reach out. Um, I'm trying to think of what else to report. I guess that's it. My three minutes are up. I'll leave it to student trustee. Uh, great. Perfect timing. Uh, next, we have the student trustees report. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, uh, good evening, everyone, uh, community, CCSF, and all. I first uh, would like to welcome back the students here at CCSF. Welcome to the spring semester 2023. And if it's your first semester, welcome to the CCSF family. We, start, we first started off the semester with a welcome day, which was uh, held on January 11th. Uh, even though with the bad weather conditions, we, it was a very successful event that we took it indoors at the cafeteria. We had literally hundreds of students coming in, getting uh, prepared for the semester and having the opportunity to speak with a lot of resource centers and uh, resources that CCSF uh, has to offer. So that's a big plus. Uh, welcome to all students. Uh, one of the things that we've been working on uh, this last two uh, weeks, and actually this whole 2023, has been registration and helping make, making sure that registration for students is uh, smooth, making sure that students get into classes that they need or that, would, that they're searching for. So we've been helping a lot of students with registration, uh, going in through the late hours of the night. Uh, along with that, uh, on a... On a not so happy journey, uh, we still continue to hear the ripple effects of the students that have uh, that are being affected for the on the non-credit ESL classes from John Adams campus. So, uh, keeping them in mind that John Adams campus students, non-credit ESL student classes, 
continue to be affected by not being able to have classes at their uh, respective campus. And uh, one announcement that I would like to make uh, for students that are still looking for classes, uh, there's still time to add regular classes that have started on this uh, last week, uh, but also we have opening of new classes that are coming up for which are considered the late start classes on January 31st. So if you're looking for classes, we have class openings for January 31st and, and beyond. And uh, that's about it for now. And just uh, wishing all students uh, good luck and uh, best uh, wishes for this spring 2023 semester. Thank you. Thank you, student trustee. Next, we have the chancellor's report. Thank you very much, President Wong. Uh, I was able to submit a written report, so I'll let the written report stand uh, as written. And I'd just like to take this moment to welcome everybody back to the spring 2023 semester. I know over the winter recess, uh, many if not all of our faculty, staff, and administrators continue to work tirelessly to prepare for uh, this semester and a new uh, calendar year. And in my opinion, we are off to a wonderful start. Uh, we have students uh, not only uh, on our campus and in our buildings, uh, but we also have a robust uh, online presence as well. So we are moving forward and it is a great start to the semester. Thank you. Next, we have the Academic Senate President's Report. Hello, everyone. Uh, Mitra Sapienza here. Uh, dear, this is to uh, uh, greet everyone, Board of Trustees, Chancellor Martin, the college community. Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mitra Sapienza, English faculty student equity coordinator and currently serving as this year's academic Senate president. Welcome officially to Trustees Chung, Solomon and Martinez. Uh, wow, it's certainly been a wild ride already this semester. It's begun with a punch as faculty who typically use their first few days of a break to prep for the next term have instead been spending time scrutinizing their rosters for ghost students. We are in the dawn of a new era and as frightening and fascinating as it is, we're constantly looking ahead, working on addressing problems and improving as we go. It helps we have a lovely team in Dean Monica Liu and Will Wu in admissions and records um, for their heavy lift. Um, and to and a big thanks to them and to all faculty who are doing their part to remedy the situation, uh, a testament to how strong our village is. The Academic Senate leadership is steady at work revising the faculty hiring document in collaboration with the Department Chair Council and Human Resources. Um, the Senate is also working on bringing back nonprofit organizer Ned Buskirk uh, and his team YG2D for a campus-wide grief and healing in the workplace workshop. As we heard from public comment, we're still feeling the impact of layoffs, and there's a lot to grieve and process in community. Um, I also wanted to mention that Senate First Vice President Sherry Moralia, hey Sherry, I know she's listening in, is hard at work maintaining faculty membership on our uh, soon to be 23 academic Senate committees and nine PGC committees while also working on streamlining communication. Um, we have lots going on at committees uh, and uh, we just nominated Dr. Lillian Villaraza for the State Senate uh, Award, Stanbeck Stroud Diversity Award. Um, and we will be holding elections this semester uh, for a new academic Senate. There are 18 openings. Um, 
more to come on that. I also am proud and honored to say that the Academic Senate leadership has maintained its regular connections and work with student leaders, student trustee Villalobos and student chancellor Brandt both help us stay focused on not just saying that we're, we center students, but showing us actually how to do it as elected leaders by their peers in both of their roles. They represent all students with integrity, intentionality, and fierce dedication. And I look forward to working with uh, both of them. Um, and just lots of thanks to uh, senior leadership and uh, affording us an efficient and productive space in collegial consultation. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Next, we have the classified Senate President's report. Hi. Hopefully you guys could hear me because it's having some Wi-Fi trouble, but what else is new in the world? Anyways, good evening, everyone. My name is Maria Salazar-Colon. I'm the current Classified Senate President. Um, I don't have too much to report on, but <clears throat> I do want to say that um, I was happy to hear that the unrepresented finally um, got what was taken from them in cuts, but then also on top of that, they received... Um, some small um, percent of raises. So that's good because, you know, anytime you suffer from a financial cut, you know, that burden is on your entire family, not just an individual person. So glad to um, hear that. Um, what I'm not um, happy is that we keep being told um, there's a keep the delay and delay and delay on top of delays for the classified Senate to be moved into the new office. Um, as most of you know, that we share that office space with the union. So it would be nice if for once, um, you know, the, the date that we're given or the month that we're given that that happens. Um, I, for one, cannot be working in a, in a bungalow that now has rats running in it and is about to fall apart. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, we, too, will be having a new election this spring semester um, for... Um, a couple of our officer seats, one of them being the president. So you should have a new president coming in August. So that's all I have to report for the classified Senate. Um, hopefully I get, we get office space soon. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have the SCIU local 10 to 1 president's report. Uh-huh. That's me again. <laughs> Hi. Um, I don't know if, all, if most of you don't know, but our current president, Carl Gamar, is out on leave. So let's all send him some wonderful healing vibes. Um, and until he returns, I'm currently the acting president. First, I wanna welcome um, most of the um, board members um, um, to, your, to your new roles. And we're looking forward to working with you. Um, as soon as we get some dates down, and I'll get into that in a second, then we can go ahead and calendar some individual appointments. What we're not going to do is that we, we know there are some trustees who have no interest in working with labor unions, and that's fine. So be it. We got your message delivered. Um, it is what it is, right? Um, we did submit to the district um, an email requesting um, dates to be calendar to get in contract negotiations. So we hope that to hear from them and get get some of those dates so we can be in full contact contract negotiations. One thing we're not happy about is some of the working conditions. Our workers are stuck in work in these freezing cold. I am not blaming facilities. I know they're trying to work as hard as they can and as fast as they can, but it's just the complaints cannot be going on deaf ears either, right? It's just getting worse and worse. 
So it doesn't seem like anything's getting fixed. One thing is fixed, something else breaks down. Um, another thing we don't need is we don't need any other employee groups to be interfering with our hiring. We know and we're fully aware of the, the custodian department being heavily understaffed. Um, since most people don't know how the hiring process goes for classified, you should probably just mind your own business and just stay out of it because um, we're doing our best and it's not facilities fault. They're trying to hire too. They are working with us. So whatever rumors are going out there about the administrator not trying to help and get a custodial hire, that is a complete lie. And we just respectfully will ask you to just zip it and mind your business and let us handle our, our field by ourselves. Um, and that's pretty much all I have to say for now. I just want to not be so negative, but can't help it when people are starting up. Oh, one thing I do want to say is I really hope that this board doesn't plan on or doesn't even have a inkling that you want to go back to some negative, toxic type of board meetings. And I kind of feel like that's how it's going to be. Uh, it almost feels like, you know, threats are being made. You were, you were, you know, elected and, and all that stuff. I really do hope that, yes, we do have to have a change. Yes, we do have to do hiring all the employee groups, but there, but we fundamentally need to make sure it's positive change and something that's not going to make us broke and that the college won't be here. So that's it. Good night. Next, we have the AFT Local 2121 President's Report. Let's see, is this on? Yeah. Okay. Good evening, uh, board members, uh, student trustee, uh, chancellor. Um, wow, it's been a long time since I've stood at this mic. It's been a really long time. And I have to say um, how happy I am to be here in person, to see a full board seated here in front of me. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing a, a larger audience as, as the months go on. Um, first of all, congratulations, uh, Trustee Solomon, Trustee Martinez, Trustee Chung, and Trustee Green on your um, uh, recent elections, um, and President um, Wong and Vice President Martinez for your, um, for your elections to office. There's a lot, as you've already heard from public comment, and from previous um, constituency reports, there is a lot going on. There's a lot that our, our beloved institution needs and is, um, and is lacking. And, and there's also a lot that is really positive and, and really encouraging that um, I'm ride or die City College. I've been this, uh, 33 years here, I was a student, uh, never sat on this body, but um, uh, you know I've I've held a lot of positions here at the college, and um, now being in my position as um, uh, uh, union president—that's what I do. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I'm just really excited and at the opportunities that we have in front of us. It's a new year, right? We have new opportunities. There's a future that we have to build for this college. And we have real, a real opportunity to work together, all of the different constituency groups, um, where it's appropriate. But mostly, um, I think where we start is 
We're, we're all here for the same purpose. We're here for our students, and we want to see City College thrive into the future. So I could list all of the problems, but you're going to hear plenty of that. And we're here for that, and we want to address those issues. But we also um, want to make sure that the dialogue remains open, that we stay um, working um, in partnership and building partnership and, and trust as, as the months go on. And so um, I look forward to that work and rolling up our sleeves, getting our hands dirty, and making it happen. So thank you all. Thank you. Next, we have the Administrators Association Co-Chairs Report. Hi, good evening. Uh, my name is Stephanie Chenard. I am the uh, co-chair of the Administrators Executive Council, Administrators Association Executive Council. Uh, first, I would like to welcome to the board um, Vice President Anita Martinez, Trustee Susan Solomon, Trustee Vic Chung, and Trustee Dr. Morel Green. And I would also like to welcome back uh, Trustee Ch uh, Chisty, Trustee Williams, um, Trustee uh, student trustee Villalobos and congratulate Alan uh, trustee Wong on your new role as president. Uh, as administrators, we are looking forward to working with the new leadership on this board. Uh, we additionally are looking forward to working with the chancellor to move us past COVID and to look at what the, or to, to see what the college is going to look like post pandemic. As administrators, we'd also like to welcome to our ranks some new and some not so new faces. Uh, Dr. Gregorio Cahill is coming back as the Dean of Mission, as well as Transitional Studies and ESL. We'd like to thank Jorge Bell for his service as Interim Dean. Mia Rosselli is joining us as the Dean of Downtown Center School of Business, Culinary and Hospitality, Fashion and Environmental Horticulture and Floristry. Uh, she, by, both uh, Dr. Cahill and me, Rosselli, come from our faculty ranks, as well as Dr. Aaron Denny, who has previously, previously served as the interim dean um, and now is full dean. Um, she has removed interim from her title as dean of communications studies, English world languages, and fine applied and communication arts. We'd also like to congratulate Amy Coffey on her um, uh at her new role as Dean of Student Engagement and Wellness, and soon to welcome a new face, Dr. Maureen Harrington, as the Senior Director of Grants. Um, for our new trustees, our Administrators Association um, is, a, is, is a, a place where, as administrators, we can get together and really dig in and address various issues. Uh, we are taking the advantage of the momentum of the new year to really be able to unpack some things and look at how um, how we're going to move forward. Uh, one of the things, importantly, that we are going to be discussing is a scholarship that has always been funded by the association for students. And we are um, working with financial aid to um, with with a small work group to make sure that that is um, going to be really um, efficiently funded for the students who need it the most. And uh, I'd like to thank you for your time and welcome. Thank you. Next, we have the department chair council president's report. Uh, President Wong, I do not see Darlene on now. Okay. 
Thank you. And to get everybody on the same page for folks that, uh, for a constituency group, say they will want to submit a report in advance, uh, Chancellor, when do you think would be sufficient uh, a time of Friday, the Friday before the, the board meeting? Um, I just want to make sure everybody's on the same page when they can submit it to, to you to get something posted on the agenda. Uh, certainly. So thank you for the question. Uh, in order to have it as part of the initial posting to the public, we do need it 72 hours in advance. So I would say no later. Uh, then Monday at 1 o'clock. Uh, but ultimately, if it's received after, we are able to post it uh, once we receive it. Okay. I'd also like to, to share that you know, I've communicated my expectation that for our staff presentations uh, as well, that we get all of the attached materials in advance before the meeting is posted so that the members of the, the public and trustees have an opportunity to have sufficient review. Um, if it's not an exigent uh, uh, issue, then my my action would be to postpone that item until a later meeting when we do have 72 hours um, notice. So just want to put that out there. Um, next, we have the monthly budget update. Vice Chancellor Elliman, will you please provide your presentation? Certainly, Trustee Wong. First off, good evening, trustees. To those that are, are newly elected trustees, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, as you will see on our attachment, we provide each month to the board a monthly reconciliation of all of our unrestricted general fund expenditures and we provide this by line item. This evening the report that you have in front of you covers all of our expenditures from July 1 through December the 31st. I'm pleased to announce that for what we have projected and what we currently have our known expenditures to date are within the budget that was approved by the board for this fiscal year. A couple things I would like to highlight, however, if we can scroll over to the year-to-date numbers, which will be to the right at the very top. As you can see, the first uh, set of numbers are related to our revenues, which consists mainly of our state apportionment, our local property taxes, sales taxes, and other local revenue as well as any parcel tax dollars which uh, will be coming to the district until the year of 2032. The only item that I have the report which we are slightly delayed on is the receipt of uh, parcel tax receipts. We are expecting that we should receive a check from the city and county sometime within the next two weeks. So you should see that updated on the next month's report. But as you can see, we have received approximately $90 million to date. At the same time last year, we received approximately $98 million, and the main difference between this year's receipts and last year's is the line item for the parcel tax. So that's the only item that is excluded. As far as our expenditures, the next major expenditure category is for certificated. You will see that we have spent to date $32.6 million approximately. We spent roughly 33.5 last year. We still are in the process of making sure that within this expenditure category that we have properly aligned expenditures. There is some slight differences between what was originally calculated and what we actually and where we actually have individuals working. So it's a matter, it's not that we are off on budget. It's a matter of making sure that the codes for which individuals are charged their monthly salaries are appropriate and we're working with the appropriate departments in order for us to make those changes. The next item that you have is for our classified staff members. We've spent to date approximately $18.1 million, which is 
less than what we spent same time last year, which was roughly 20.4. Um, some of the change that you'll see, we do have a number of vacant positions, which we currently are in the process of filling district-wide. And there also was, as a result of uh, last year's concessions and adjustments, we did experience some layoffs in the classified salary line. So having a smaller amount allocated to this amount was anticipated. The next major expenditure category is our benefits. Um, we essentially are on track for what we have projected based upon current salaries, which a lot of these are salary-driven benefits. So there's nothing significantly different from where we were this year and last year. The only one item that I would like to note is that included in one of these lines is a payment that we had to make for initially, uh, we have a liability as a result of our supplemental employment retirement program. We had an additional payment that was made last year that was not made this year. We are on track, however, and we normally make that payment at the end of the fiscal year during the month of June. And that payment was roughly about $2.7 million, which is almost close to what you see as the difference between this, what we spent last year this time and what we spent as of December 31st of this year. The last items are basically our supplies as well as our operating expenses. Um, no major issues within supplies because we are now doing more in-person operations. We have increased the amount of dollars that we've expended on supplies. Uh, in the operational line, there are a few items both for deferred maintenance and for informational technology. We, as you know, we're currently in the process are doing an RFP for information to improve our registration system. And as soon as that contract is let, then the amount which has been allocated for that will be encumbered. And we also have some facilities items that we're currently are in the process of getting resolved. Those also are waiting for contracts to be let out. That is the major difference between the $9 million that we spent last year and the $5 million that we've spent to date this year. The other major item we have is we have made transfers this year. We have made sure, as we did in prior year, that the special fund sources that we have, which pay for both not only insurance but for post-employment benefits, um, bookstore and cafeteria funds, We've made sure that we've made the appropriate transfers to those accounts in order so that they remain solvent. It's one of the items that was noted in prior audits. We did clean that up for this year's audit, and we anticipate if we continue in this path that we will have sufficient funding in those accounts to cover all anticipated expenditures and will not run the risk of running deficit balances in any of those accounts that has also been included. And as you can see, between last year and this year, we spent roughly $88 million as of December 31st, and we spent roughly $88 million as of December 31st of this year. So we're trending as appropriately as we have planned and projected, and we hope to continue to do so. Um, with that, I would open it up for any questions from the board. Board members, do you have any questions or comments? Um, Linda, do we have any uh, public comment for this item? I have some questions. Uh, Vice President Martinez. Sure. Um, thank you very much, Vice Chancellor. Um, and I'm asking this as someone who is fairly untutored. I'm looking with untutored eyes at some of these things. Um, and so uh, once I have been on the board a little bit longer, m my eyes will be better at these kinds of things. Um, one question I got from a constituent was, um, were two transfers made to the self-insurance fund, one last year and another this year? That is correct. Okay, so two transfers were made. That is correct. Great. Um, 
Did the board authorize, the board at that time authorize both transfers? Those transfers were included within the uh, plan that was approved by the board, and transfers are allowed within our major expenditure categories, and this was an allowable transfer within both Title V guidelines and board policy. Thank you. You just supplied the answer to the questions to this constituent. Okay. Also, could I ask that uh, you provide me with a printed copy of the adopted budget September 2022? Um, I found that um, in looking at this, it was helpful to go back to that adopted budget to figure out what, was, what were the subcategories under all of these individual items, and it helped me understand the budget a little bit more, so that would be very helpful. And could I also ask for one more thing, because I was going through some of these budgets from different uh, board meetings, um, and uh, what, was, what I found myself doing was confusing myself because the budgets themselves, some of them did not have dates or uh, page numbers. And so I was taking, uh, I made a copy of one page and, and then I realized I have to write down the date of this and I also have to write down the page number so I can, go, if I want to go back and look at it. If you could add those two things, that would be very, very helpful. Certainly, and if you also have any questions at all, please, please feel free to direct them to the chancellor or contact me and we'd be happy to provide you with any budget information that you need. Great. Okay. Um, one other th question that I had, and again, this is because I don't have the uh, context that uh, the, uh, the people who were sitting here in December have and, and before that. And uh, that has to do with transfers out. Could you explain that item a little bit more to me and perhaps others who don't um, quite grasp the concept? Sure. We have certain accounts in which general fund is required to be transferred to those accounts in order for us to manage and account for those specific expenditures. For example, in the self-insurance line, that helps us pay for not only our insurance liabilities, but also for settlements and other things which aren't necessarily general fund operating expenditures, if you will, but they are expenditures of the district. And we are required to track those in a certain manner, and therefore we transfer general fund in order into those accounts in order to cover those accounts. Same for other post-employment benefits. We have actual or for we have OPEB costs for current employees, which is paid within the general fund. But for those employees who are no longer with us actively and are retired, we pay for that through a separate account. Right. But we still have to account for that expenditure, and the revenue from the general fund goes to cover those accounts. So we manage both of them. We manage them separately, but also commingle them as needed to cover the costs associated with each. So those are counted in the expenditures. That $10 million is accounted for in the total of the line below. The $10 million is accounted for in the transfer, but the actual expenditures, which are related for those are, tra are tracked in the separate accounts in which we transfer the general fund. Thank you. That's and we do report both of those out to the board, as well as in our annual reports that go to the state in our 311 and our quarterly reports. Thank you. That's what I thought. That's what I was discovering by kind of poking through all of the different things. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, no, uh, the third question uh, that I had in uh, line 1220 to 1260, there seems to be a significant increase, and uh, I was just wondering what, what might have caused that increase. The increase in 1220 to 1260, we, as part of position control, we have individuals that are supposed to be assigned and given the correct account codes for payment. Right. When we set up the budget this year, based upon the information that we had, 
we set budgets that were targeted based upon the known workload for individuals in those areas. In this particular case, we basically have assumed expenditures which may not necessarily have been accounted for in another area but are appropriate here. So we incurred the expenditures in this particular object code rather than in another. And if you went to look and say, for example, in the line beneath, mm -hmm. which would be under 1300, or even if we went and looked at both the 1100, the 1200, the 1300, mm -hmm. and the 1400, you'll see that we have basically incurred less expenditures in the 1100 line because some of those expenditures were appropriate in the 1200 line and not in the 1100. So you would see an increase there, but see a decrease in the 1100 line. And that's part of the reconciliation that we're trying to do so that we make sure that, and there's a lot of personnel and payroll changes that happen just because of the duties and they're assigned to certain individuals. We're trying to make sure that those are consistent and aligned so that we can track them in the budget accordingly. It was just a matter of cleaning things up. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said, uh, I'm hopeful that if the need arises uh, for those of us who are fairly new to the board to have an orientation. Uh, by your office in terms of uh, the uh, budget preparation mm -hmm. and uh, how to read uh, a budget um, that we might avail your services at some time in the future. My staff and I would be happy to do that. Thank you very much. I appreciate your, the information you've shared. You're welcome. Do we have any question, other questions or comments from my fellow trustees? Okay. Um, and uh, did we have any uh, public comment? I want to make sure I didn't for forget that. Uh, not on the monthly budget update, but we okay. do have um, comments on the next okay. item, the governor's Got budget. Got it. Um, seeing no uh, further discussion, next we have the January 10th governor's budget proposal 23 to 24. Vice Chancellor Alamin, will you please provide your presentation? Yes, Trustee Wong. Um, we have a couple handouts for you. We will start with the first one. The first one is the higher ed summary that was provided in the governor's budget. And I know as we sat during the budget committee meeting this past Tuesday, um, there, there's some yes and no's to this budget. It's a good budget, but it is projecting overall that the state is facing roughly about a $23 billion shortfall. So they've done a number of things that while they will support higher ed and support California community colleges, um, they have made some technical adjustments and some changes to kind of offset some things which they funded this year that they no, on, long, no longer wish to fund next year. And in order to fund some new items within the budget this year, they made some reductions from other areas, and I'd be happy to walk, the, walk you through those. As you can see, um, with the 8.13% COLA, which essentially is an increase to all of the funding items within the SCIF, the state is looking to add approximately 742, almost $743 million of funding to that line item. And for CCSF, based upon our current enrollment, um, we would be looking at approximately $13.5 million in general fund if, in fact, this budget is passed in June. Um, there is funding for growth that's consistent. They've been funding roughly, roughly about a half percent of growth for the past three to four years now. Um, part of that also is that they are going to provide some funding for professional development. 
Um, and my apologies, that M is supposed to be a K. Um, but they also made roughly about $300 million in base adjustments. And I think it's not that this is overlooked, but I think everyone, we're focused on the money of the total at the $700 million level, but the state also pulled out roughly $314 million from that allocation. So the net is actually going to be slightly less, um, but we're working through to see what actually comes out of May revise, and that will impact what potentially the district can expect to receive in new funding. Um, they did have some one-time adjustments that will support retention and enrollment. You know, as we're working to do more outreach and retention of students, this will help us in some degree. They did provide money uh, for workforce training. There was some adjustment of a uh, small adjustment of 5.7 million to the SCIF model. Um, they provided 100,000 again for FICMAT professional learning opportunities. But in order to fund most of this, they took away 213 million from the 800 million that they provided last year for deferred maintenance. That helped, that hurts us substantially because this past year we were able to get a little bit over $10 million for deferred maintenance. This hit to us will approximately be about maybe two to $3 million. So, in order to fund certain things, the governor's budget made some adjustments elsewhere. And overall, it doesn't have as many initiatives and new funding or one-time funding as it did last year. But in part, that is because they are forecasting a $23 billion deficit. But it's not a bad budget. But we still need to see what comes out of Sacramento, um, see what comes out in the final May revise, and to see what impact that will be to our existing resources. And those were the highlights for the governor's budget. So if there are any questions. Hello, trustees. Any other questions or comments? Uh, I've got one my, myself. So for the uh, one-time adjustment for the $5.7 million prior year uh, SCIF funding, I'm, I'm trying to parse out. Uh, so does that mean that we're getting $5.7 million on top of the 13.5? No, actually, the $5.7 million adjustment is not for us. It's for the adjustments that they made to overall state funding. Okay. So in other words, there were some baseline adjustments that they that they made statewide, and that was the impact. That for us, that's a minor amount. It's probably less than about three hundred thousand dollars, if at all. Got it. So it looks like the money that because I, I care what money we're going to get, right? So I, I see the thirteen point five, and then now what appears to be uh, three hundred thousand um, dollars, and then the other. Uh, uh, dollar amounts will be parsed out proportionately in, in some some way as as well, right? Do well, if you recall, SCIF is based upon mm -hmm. outcomes. It's based upon oh. full-time equivalent students. Mm -hmm. It's based upon graduation graduation rates. It's based upon a number of things, but they increased the funding formula for each of those line items. Mm -hmm. So, uh, all things considered, as long as we are funded without any change to our base, and if it, we can get additional funding if we grow. The likelihood, though, is that we probably will get funded at the current level that we're funded at. So we should get some additional funding, but it still remains to be seen what finally is agreed to in terms of the final budget and the impact of the $314 million reduction in the base adjustments to the SCIF. So that's what we're going to try to reconcile, and we'll use the next couple months to figure out exactly what impact that will be, because essentially... It is an 8.13% increase to the SCIF fund rate, but they took $314 million out from SCIF. So we need to see what the net impact is going to be. So potentially we could get $13 million. It may be less than that. Okay. And Vice Chancellor, the, the ones that 
the kind of funding I was talking about was the, in terms of us getting our proportionate amount was like the $200 million for retention enrollment strategy. So, so if that remains the number, then we'd get some sort of proportionate amount uh, based on our, uh, our status. That is correct, sir. Each of the numbers that you have presented, these are statewide numbers. They aren't necessarily specifically related to oh. our district unless noted. And the only item in which is noted here is the COLA impact. And given that there is some considerations and some concerns being made both for uh, compensation increases as well as needed personnel. Thank you, Vice Chancellor. Do you have any other questions or comments from my fellow trustees? Um, are you, Trustee Williams, are nodding your head? No, uh, okay, okay. Um, Linda, is, are there any public comments for this item? Yes, Harry Bernstein. Okay, I noticed a couple things in this in these summaries. Uh, one is uh, FICMAT funding. There was two hundred million dollars for professional development and hundred thousand dollars for professional learning opportunities. Uh, FICMAT is an agency, I guess, centered in Bakersfield that has impacts across the state. They've uh, put pressure, I guess, to get your financial house in order, but uh, they have been erroneous in the past. They've certainly put pressure on uh, City College. One of the things I was going to mention is, uh, I think uh, Vice President Martinez asked about the $21 million. Um, so that was borrowed from OPEB monies but I was told by the chancellor himself that there was not a requirement that that be paid back. Um, earlier this year, I think he said, uh, we paid it back because we promised, but that isn't necessarily good financial planning, but it was deferring to ACCJC and the FICMAT. So please look into that. Uh, the budget proposal for fiscal year 2024 is uh, $3,235,000, it's a huge amount. Um, see, the one in the summary said the budget reflects the continued focus on the CCC multi-year roadmap, which focuses on equity, student success, and preparing for ability to help students in the future. That's equity, but it's not equality what we've got is a system that's based on part-time faculty who bring in the same reimbursement that full-time do, but get paid much less. So equity, let's have equality. That concludes public comment for this item. Thank you, I, I believe, uh, Vice Chancellor Alamin, did you uh, have something to say? Okay. Um, I, I believe uh, our department chair council uh, president is on the, the Zoom uh, no longer. Okay. In that case, uh, next we have action items. We will, uh, yes. Ask a question. Just of clarity, am I correct in that all, all public comment has been moved to three minutes? Uh, no, that's just for the uh, constituent reports. Got it. Thank you so much. Okay.
Next, we have action items. We'll now consider a suspension of vaccine and masking mandates. Uh, uh, Chancellor Martin, uh, do you have a presentation to provide us? Uh, I do not have a presentation, President Wong, but I do have uh, a few comments that I'd like to make. And then I uh, do have some guests here uh, this evening that will provide some additional context uh, to the discussion. Uh, but back in the fall of 2021, the Governing Board of Trustees passed a resolution uh, requiring that uh, proof of vaccine mandate uh, be provided prior to entering in to our facilities here uh, at City College. Uh, we currently operate under the uh, process of uh, any student who wants to enroll into in-person classes uh, needs to provide uh, proof of vaccination or an allowable uh, exception. Uh, we are uh, continuing that process through the remainder of the spring 2023 semester. As part of participatory governance discussions in the fall, uh, last fall in 2022, our Health and Safety Committee uh, started the conversation uh, as well as our Participatory Governance Council. Uh, they had the discussion not only in respects to the vaccine mandate, uh, but the mandate that we require uh, mask be worn uh, indoors, which is still in effect uh, at this moment. Uh, through all of that discussion, we did have a college-wide uh, public forum on which we updated uh, the broader college community on the discussions from participatory governance, outlined some possible implementation timelines and some next steps, ultimately subject to uh, board consideration, discussion, and pending approval. Uh, but I'll stop there and ask uh, Chief Mario Vasquez, who is our chair of the Health uh, and Safety Committee, uh, to provide some input and context as to the discussions at the participatory governance level uh, that really started the conversations uh, that ended up here today. And as he walks up to the microphone, I will uh, comment that the uh, recommendation to suspend the vaccine mandate for the summer 2023 uh, registration cycle uh, was approved by both the Health and Safety Committee and the PGC, uh, as well as the removal of the mask mandate and transitioning to mask being strongly recommended. Uh, that was also approved by the Health and Safety Committee and the PGC, accepted by the Chancellor, now presented to the Board uh, for their consideration. So, Chief, if you wanted to provide some context as to the health and safety discussion, uh, please do. Yes, sure. Thank you, uh, Chancellor Martin. Um, President of the Board, Board of Trustees, uh, Student Trustee, Vice Chancellors, and Chancellor Martin, good evening. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to come up forward to speak about the subject. So uh, spring of 2022, as you know, um, these policies with the CDC and San Francisco Department of Public Health, they constantly evolve from month to month to month. They're changing. So we at, at the Health and Safety Committee in spring of 2022, we were already working on the, um, the, the policy updating, making um, updates to it. So then when we came back in for uh, fall of 2022, uh, the discussions continued, including the mask updates. Um, uh, healthy, healthy conversation in the committees, uh, which student chancellor uh, Heather Brent is part of, um, if she's still listening, so she can always um, provide some input if I miss something. But um, by November, we pretty much unanimously um, recommended moving forward with um, highly recommending or strongly recommending the mask and also the, the vaccine mandate change. So if you have any questions, um, I'm available. 
Tr trustees, um, do we have any questions or comments at this time? Uh, Trustee and, and our recommend our recommendation went to the PGC. So that's thank you, Chief Vasquez. Yeah, I just I just want to share that I think this is an excellent example of how um, I'd like for us to really be utilizing our PGC system. So thank you so much for the work. I really like that right the bottom up um, effort and in in changing this mandate. Um, and I hope you know this is a practice that continues across. Um, including in institutional planning and, and budget proposals in the future. Thank you. Yes, and, and the committee's well represented with all the constituents groups on campus, so there's a lot of input, a lot of healthy discussion. So, um. Do you have any further discussion or comments from my fellow trustees? Okay, uh, do we have any uh, public comment on this item? Yes, Harry Bernstein. Uh, yes, I guess I'm reflecting on last year when there was um, there were the masking and vaccination, especially the masking policies developed. There were supposed to be people mon door monitors and a number of things that didn't uh, quite pan out as they were. And that was a time that also the uh, board continued uh, meeting remotely by emergency. Uh, basis I guess I guess you're back now so maybe my reflections don't matter so much because you are coming back in person there will be more people here in the future but just as we're um, moving away from vaccine mandates we're moving toward a more open uh, process so I think you're you're meeting um, you know changing some of your rules in this way uh, for meetings after March. And I don't know if that will mean it, that eventually you will stop the remote meetings. Uh, I just wonder if there's any connection between the change of uh, relaxing this policy and what the board meetings uh, will be in terms of uh, COVID. Thank you. Next is Susan Buckman. Hi, Susan Buckman from Broadcast Media Services. So personally, I don't think we should be ending the mask mandate, but that's because at the last, the meeting on, uh, I guess it was the, the 11th, I actually had COVID at the meeting and did not realize it until I got home that night. And if I had not been wearing a mask, there's no telling how many people I would have infected. So I do encourage people to be personally responsible, to wear a mask, to protect themselves, and to protect others. That's what I would like to say. And just to give a little context of what Harry was talking about, the rules about remote meetings are going to be changing in March. So hopefully you're going to get a training on what your options are. But my main point is let's all Think about our health and about the health of others. And even if it's not required to wear a mask, it's still a really, really good idea. Thank you. That concludes public comment for this item. Is there any further discussion or comment from my fellow trustees? Is there a, uh, Trustee Solomon? Yes, I have a question um, about individuals 
who may be on faculty or staff who have their own concerns, does, does this change in policy make it possible for anyone to require mask wearing in their own workspace? Uh, I know I'm starting to verge into medical accommodations, which are a whole other process that I'm not asking about. But does this mean that in every space it's strongly recommended and not required? I, I need a clarification on what we're exactly we're voting on. Uh, certainly, Trustee Solomon. If I may clarify, uh, you are correct. We are. Uh, if it is approved uh, throughout our college, uh, mask will then be strongly recommended. The only exception to my knowledge is our student health center, as medical facilities still require masking. So our student health center uh, will still require uh, masking at that time. Uh, in respects to uh, accommodations, uh, we are uh, working with uh, constituent leaders and our human resources department. Uh, if this action is approved uh, and employees uh, now uh, feel uncomfortable for a specific reason and being in a space without a mask or with others not having a mask on, uh, we do hope to have an accommodation process through HR, uh, which will, they will work through an interactive discussion and we may be able to provide some opportunities uh, to that specific individual. Uh, it is my understanding that the accommodation process is specific to the individual engaging in it and we cannot necessarily impact others based on somebody's accommodation process. But that's something uh, we'll constantly bring back more information on as we kind of grow through this uh, new implementation. Uh, Trustee Williams. Yeah, thank you, President Wong, and thank you, uh, Chief. I um, heard that the other policy bodies in the city and county of San Francisco aren't moving to full-on in-person and that the governor's emergency mandate is not going to be released until February. Um, are we in alignment with the governor's? So we are in respects to uh, the Brown Act requirements and the current assembly bill, I believe it's 361, which outlines how we're operating right now. Uh, the governor's bill, uh, which allows us to operate today, uh, is set to expire once he removes the state of emergency. And he said he was going to do that in February, which would trigger March as our new uh, operating umbrella. Uh, without going into details, uh, at that time in March, uh, we will still have the hybrid option. Uh, if trustees want to use the hybrid option, they will have to publicly designate why. Uh, I do believe that there's two reasons why a trustee could use the hybrid option. Uh, one is that they're on college business at the time of the meeting, or two is that being in person would uh, endanger uh, the other individuals who would be in person as well. So the trustees, uh, if they wanted to participate hybrid, would have to publicly designate why, uh, which one uh, of the reasons why they are not here. Uh, the second component is that you cannot be hybrid more than uh, three consecutive meetings in a row. So if you are hybrid two meetings, you have to be in person uh, the third meeting. Uh, so that is uh, at a high level uh, the new uh, operating policy once the sh uh, emergency uh, is lifted, uh, which will take place in March. And, and I'll defer to council with any additional details. All right, yes, uh, it's 2449 is the new law, and it's just cause or emergency circumstances. Under just cause, the reason has to be po posted on the agenda. You also have to have your video on as well as and identify everyone that's 18 or above within your vicinity. 
Um, and then emergency circumstances, the board has to vote, has by majority vote, uh, has to approve the uh, uh, board member attending remotely. And yes, the chancellor was absolutely correct that there's a limit on the number of times you can use either just cause or emergency circumstances. Um, and so it's it's quite complicated. Um, and uh, we'll go through that if the if uh, trustee would like to attend remotely. Uh, so just to be clear, for the February emergency ending, so are we saying that we're not going to this will not go into effect until the governor has removed the state of emergency mandate, or would this be before that? So AB 361 is the one that you're operating under right now, and your other constituent groups, like your academic senate, likely is meeting remotely uh, through your passage of the resolution that is on your agenda for tonight, AB 361. Um, and then that that's allowed until the state of emergency is lifted, just as the chancellor indicated. And the governor said he was going to lift that as of the end of February. And so after that, that way of attending, which doesn't have the limitations, um, like I was just talking about, about just cause or emergency circumstances, will be removed. So you won't be able to attend under AB 361 starting in, at the after the end of February. I just want to be clear, I'm not yeah. speaking to our board attendance. I'm just speaking to general public yeah. end of state of emergency. So are we going to be releasing this before the public end of state of emergency for California? Or are we, are we in a, going in advance of that to, re, to remove this masking mandate? Because I mean, honestly, I think we should be oh. in alignment with the governors of California state of emergency ending yes, as opposed I'm to proceeding or being in advance of that. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. I misunderstood okay. your question. I like to, I the, to hear the, about The both. masking requirement is not connected to the state of emergency. Oh. <laughs> so um, right now, uh, local officials and local and the CDPH, uh, the California Department of Public Health, is recommending uh, strongly recommended masks is in indoors is not required. Um, and so uh, that's that has been shifting and changing just as the chief indicated. Um, but uh, full masking indoors is not connected to the state of emergency as of right now. Interesting. Is that? Thank you. Okay. okay. <laughs> Any other questions okay. or comments from fellow trustees? Seeing none, do I have a motion on the floor? Moved by Trustee Chung. Second. Moved by Trustee Chung and uh, seconded by Trustee Chisty. Uh, Linda, will you please call the roll? Student trustee advisory vote? Aye. President Wong? Yes. Vice President Martinez? Yes. Trustee Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Solomon? Yes. Trustee Williams? Aye. The motion passes. Sir, Trustee Chung is aye. <laughs> Not, oh, all right. Trustee Chung. Thank yeah. you. Next, we have consent items. Linda, do we have any public comment for any consent items? Okay, let's take that public comment. They want public comment. You wanted to make public comment on the parcel tax? I don't know. I truly don't have 
criticism of that. Um, I, I wasn't, had not remembered that uh, this item represents uh, $20 million in income to the, the college, obviously essential increase of something like $83,000 over uh, the previous year. Um, just, just an observation of, what's, of what that represents for us. Okay, do we have any requests to sever any items uh, from the consent items to be considered separately? From my fellow trustees. Uh, do you have a motion? Okay, uh, Trustee Williams. Uh, yes. yes, President Wong, I would like to move the entire consent agenda with the exception of item, uh, item 11B. And I'll know Trustee Chistie has typically. Yes, yeah, so everything except for 11B. Okay, is there a second for that motion? Second. Okay. Uh, Linda, will you please call the roll on the consent items with the exception of item 11B? Can there be discussion on this? Yeah. Is this mm -hmm. a, oh, okay. um, oh, Trustee Solomon, go ahead. I would um, also want to include pulling 10A04. Resolution continuing Board of Trustees authority to hold virtual meetings. And President Wong, can I do a clarifying question? Uh, go ahead. Uh, so uh, Trustee Solomon, would it be to discuss or would you want to vote on that separately? I'd want to vote on that separately after discussion. Thanks okay. for asking. Okay, so I'll amend my motion to remove item uh, 10A and item 11B. Okay. Uh, any other um Severance uh, from my colleagues uh, for any of the consent items. Yes, um, President Wong. I just, I just yes. want to take a moment to discuss um, 13A, the Campus Logic contract renewal. And is that to um, sever to be considered separately, or we can discuss? Just simply to discuss. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, yeah, I just I just want to take the time um, and just share this with my colleagues. Um, and I, I spoke about this with, with um, Dr. Martin already. So I noticed um, a slight increase in the rate when you look at the contract that they provided to us um, in 2021 and 2022. It was $10,000 less than before. And I just wanted to, um, and, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, of course, the we have board policies that talk about you know offering or or leaning toward the lowest responsible bidder, and we have a formal process for that. But I, I think um, in in the uh, you know in the practice of really pinching pennies <laughs> at this point in time, I think uh, I hope that um, just to share out with the administrators that you know if possible before. Um, I, I understand the value, especially for this particular um, contract, the, the continuity of it for the students and the staff are incredibly important, but for other contract renews, I hope that you know, um, folks can pause and you know, perhaps look at competitors and really get quotes to, to potentially negotiate for, if it's a hike increase, negotiate for more. Um, services or you know bring it down based off of how we're looking out that you know for other competitors um, just for the purpose of, of really making sure that we're you know getting the most bang for our buck is there any further discussion on that item or any comments from uh, staff uh, related to uh, trustee Chung's comments uh, Chancellor Martin 
Uh, yes, President Wong, and I just wanted to uh, take a moment and thank Trustee Chung for her uh, very thoughtful comments. And as we move forward and contracts are up for renewal, uh, making sure that we're doing our due diligence to look at uh, what else is out there and different cost, I think would only benefit the college. So we appreciate the comments. Okay. Sorry, just quick, quick um, pronoun correction. Sorry, Dr. Martin, I use they, them pronouns. <laughs> Any further comments or questions from my uh, colleagues or, or staff? Uh, uh, Linda. I've just had an additional request for public comment on item 14B, the citizen bond oversight. Sure, we can take that right now. Harry Bernstein. Sorry, you're not doing a, a more thorough discussion of the um, the audit. Uh, the, the 2021 report, uh, fiscal year, for the Citizens Bond Oversight Committee. Um, so I just want to go into one item from that. This is the in. So the the months just before that period in May of uh, 20. Uh, 2020, uh, the board approved the closure of Fort Mason. They allocated $300,000 without any funding source for that closure. And uh, it was supposed to close in, I think, September, as of September 30th, continued until October. There needed to be two special allocations one was over $100,000, I think. The other was only about $30,000. Things that were removed, removed from Fort Mason ended up here, but they had to have some facilities. I think it's for ceramics, something like that. And it dragged on for another four or five months. Uh, I was told, I was trying to monitor this with difficulty at the facilities meetings. I was always told we're under budget. And then I think it was in uh, February or March of last year, there was a slight whoops. There was the $90,000 for management fees. We forgot to include that. Uh, I'm not aware of that really being highlighted in this report because um, the CBOC, with the help of management here at the college, is supposed to monitor things like that. So an overexpenditure of $84,000. Um, oh, most of that money ended up being taken from the bond. There was also eight different design plans for the reform of uh, renovation of Evans campus. Eight different plans. Think of the cost of that, hundreds of thousands of dollars. That concludes public comment on consent items. Any further discussion on consent items, uh, Trustee Solomon? I do have one just for discussion. Um, 14, 14A17. 14A17. So this is the uh, Citizens Oversight Committee, another one, on the bond project. Okay. 
Shall I proceed? Uh, yes, uh, let's uh, talk about it now so we can just approve Great. all the discussion items. Thank you. So I think it's an anomaly unless I'm reading it wrong. On the bottom of page seven of the report, the ocean, ocean general campus-wide improvements in the report. I'll stop for a second. I, I have it on my screen, but you didn't know what I was going to say. So it's the attachment. Yeah, the uh, bottom of page seven. Yes, yeah, so it looks to me from reading all the other sections that the three subsections below should add up to the bolded total at the top of the section for each of those three columns. At least that's the consistent pattern I see in all the other items. But for this, there's $1.48 million in the first column with zero dollars listed below. Same thing in the second column, it's a lesser amount, but it doesn't add up to 102,000, and the same for the 1.58 million in the third column. So I was just trying to figure out if that was just a clerical error or what's happening there. Uh, it looks like we have a, a staff that uh, can prevent, uh, uh, got uh, Vice Chancellor uh, Vasquez. Yes, thank you, Associate Vice Chancellor. Associate Vice Chancellor, <laughs> I give you a promotion. Oh, hey. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, you, you are correct. It is a clerical error. Um, it was discovered earlier this morning. Uh, the report has been corrected and adjusted, but because of the posting requirements, we didn't get a chance to update it. But it, it was a, the bold numbers that are shown are correct. The lower three numbers in the top of the next page is, is part of the incorrect addition. So it didn't sum up in their transfer of information from it. But the, the bold numbers are correct, and your assumption was correct that it was totaling the numbers upwards. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Any further questions or comments? Seeing none, um, I, I believe we had a motion to uh, approve our consent items with the exception of item 10A and 11B, which were uh, severed. Um, Linda, will you please call the roll? Student Trustee Villalobos, advisory vote. Aye. President Wong? Yes. Vice President Martinez? Yes. Trustee Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Solomon? Aye. Trustee Van Chung? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. Let's uh, discuss item uh, 10A, which was uh, severed from the consent items. Um, 
I am trying to figure out how to understand this better and how to reconcile with our vote on suspending vaccine and masking mandates. So some of the information that was provided to us uh, when we were discussing that item was helpful. It sounds like something is gonna change in March, but this resolution seems to be saying that we would continue with hybrid meetings. I don't see the conditions, again, helpful to hear. Can't be three meetings in a row and so on. So I'm raising this concern because, first of all, I, I believe I need more clarification on what exactly we're voting on. But also, I am questioning why why we uh, voted to say it's safe enough to not require masks and why we st would still stay hybrid. I guess that's my main source of confusion about w where's the distinction there. Sure, and I, and I, I am sorry. I, this is um, something I carry around in my head and so sometimes I'm not exactly as articulate as I'd like to be with people that are not talking about these kind of laws um, every single day. So um, there were um, two new laws that were passed recently. AB 361 is one of them that was passed in September of 2022. And there was a brand new law that was passed in this effective January 1 of 2023. So moving forward, there are gonna be three ways that boards under the Brown Act can attend via remote means, teleconference, video conference, that kind of thing. First is the traditional rules where you can attend um, remotely, but you have to post your location on the agenda and your location has to be available to the public uh, and open to the public. And there are other rules that apply to that, but that's basically um, the case with regard to traditional rules. AB 361 allows the board to attend remotely under a state of emergency. It's only applicable under a state of emergency, and it's only applicable under a state of emergency called by the governor. It can't even be a local state of emergency, okay? Um, right now, you are attending in person, so technically you don't need AB 361 for this meeting, but a lot of my higher education clients are passing AB 361 so that the um, their subsidiary boards, such as your academic senate and other boards that are, that are still Brown Act bodies, are allowed to continue meeting remotely, which is very conducive to their work and easy uh, for them to do so. Um, and by passing AB 361, you as the board allow that ability to meet remotely to flow through to those boards. The second reason that um, a lot of my clients have AB 361 on is that if you have um, an emergency happen where you um, test positive, where you're sick and it's sudden and you're not able to post your location on the agenda or you're contagious and you don't want your location to be open to the public, um, you are able to attend remotely and be a full um, voting board member remotely if the board has been passing this resolution every 30 days since the state of emergency was declared by the governor. So I think that's um, the reasons why or are a few of the reasons why that is on for the agenda for tonight. The new law, AB 2449, 
is the one that talks about just cause and emergency circumstances that allow the board member to attend remotely under those two conditions. And there are a number of other um, uh, things that have, you have to comply with for a board member to, to attend under AB 2449, um, but that's effective as of January of 2023. Is that, am I, did, if, if there's any other questions, please let me know. I think it's maybe more of a comment than a question. Well, one question, one comment. So 361 only applies to state of emergency, and Correct. that's going to be lifted. This resolution refers to AB 361 and does not mention 2449, which I didn't read before the meeting because I didn't actually know about it. And you, you wouldn't need that. None of your board members are attending remotely. AB uh, 2449 is not something that's at issue tonight or needed for tonight. It's AB 361 also applies to, does AB 361 also apply to um, the public? Not, not board of trustees, but other people who are attending. Um, under AB 361, for the board to meet remotely, and again, you are in person, so technically you don't um, need this resolution tonight unless your subordinate boards are relying upon it. But in order for the board to meet remotely, the public also has to be allowed to meet remote, or has to allow, uh, be allowed to access the board meeting remotely as well and make public comment as well. You have um, a situation here where you have this room open to the public and you're allowing the public to make uh, remote public comments. Um, so that's, you, you're allowing greater access, but it, it's not necessarily tied to AB 361 because you're in person and your room is open to the public. I think that's the crux of the, the piece that I needed to understand. So continuing remotely isn't associated with health, it's associated with access to the public. If we're meeting in person and we're, we will continue to have remote access, that's for people who can't or don't want to show up in person. And that's not a value judgment, by the way. I'm just trying to understand. AB 361 is connected to health because it's required, the state of emergency is required um, for you to allow um, the board to meet remotely, and it applies to the board. There are conditions that the board has to comply with allowing the public to also access the meeting, but it applies to the board. Okay. Any further questions or comments on this item? Uh, we have a public comment. Susan Buckman. Hi, I'm a bit of an aficionado of the various Brown Act things. So it's um, Catherine, Catherine Knight, yeah. gave a really great explanation of AB 2449. So the point of AB 2429 is to allow the trustees to still participate remotely under certain limited circumstances because during the pandemic, it was found that this was actually a really, really valuable tool for them. And all of this setup was done to facilitate not only the trustees participating remotely, but presentations and people um, participating remotely and also to give greater access to the public. 
because for the first time, you can be watching at home and you can make public comment. And that's not something that we had before the pandemic. So it's really an innovation. And, um, but, but the AB 2449 is really designed so that it cannot be overused by the trustees. So one of them is just cause. So if you are participating on college business, on say a convention or overseas travel, you can still participate. Um, or if you have a sick relative that you must be staying home to take care of, that is a just cause. And then there's the emergency, like I caught COVID and I just can't come in and I just found out about it. In which case, the trustee would communicate this to the other trustees and the trustees as a board would vote to say, yes, we all agree this is an emergency and it is okay for you to participate remotely this time. And there are rules on how many trustees can be gone at a single meeting. You need to have a physical quorum. You need to have at least four. And there's a limit of how many meetings, not, not necessarily consecutive meetings, but I think like any particular trustee cannot miss more than th three meetings in a year. So I think, I think that's what it, I remember. Thank you. Is there any further discussion or comments from my colleagues? Is there a motion from my colleagues? So moved. I'll second. Okay, so moved by Trustee Tristy, seconded by Trustee Williams. Linda, will you please call the roll? Student Trustee Villalobos, advisory vote. Aye. President Wong? Yes. Vice President Martinez? Yes. Trustee Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Solomon? Yes. Trustee Van Chung? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. The next severed uh, consent item that we will discuss is 11B, acceptance of employees' resignation or retirement. Uh, Trustee Chisty? Thank you, President Wong. Um, just want to continue the tra tradition of recognizing um, individuals that have uh, contributed uh, to our college throughout the years. So just, um, and also apologies in advance if I am mispronouncing um, their names. So first up, we have Mai P. Lu who, uh, from the custodial department who has um, contributed over 22 years to the City College of San Francisco. Thank you so much for your service, Mai. Um, we really appreciate you. And um, we also do have some resignations and we want to acknowledge um, folks there as well. Um, Sabrina uh, or Sean Meyer, Sabrina Alvarez, uh, ESL division, four years of service. Uh, thank you. Uh, Amy Hernandez, human resources, four years and four months of service. Lynn Tran, human resources, three years and 10 months. And Cynthia Wright, human resources, three years and six months. Again, um, thank you for your contributions to City College of San Francisco. Thanks. I have a question. I, I see a lot of human resources resignations. Is there a a trend, uh, Clara? Is is there any are there any concerns here that we should know about?
Okay. Oh, sorry. Thanks. We've lost about six people, but I, I don't think it's a trend. They gave some tests, and they pay a little more, and they took advantage of it. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Are there any additional comments or questions for this item? Seeing none, is there a motion on the floor? Moved. Moved by Trustee Trustee, seconded by Vice President Martinez. Linda, will you please call the roll? Student Trustee Villalobos, advisory vote? Aye. President Wong? Yes. Vice President Martinez? Yes. Trustee Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Solomon? Aye. Trustee Van Chung? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. Next, we have board requests for future reports, presentations, and resolutions. Do we have any um, uh, comments or from any of my fellow trustees? Yes. Trustee Trustee. Thank you, President Wong. Um, I would like to uh, request a presentation, and I know we've talked about this in the past, but I'd like to revisit this topic um, of dual enrollment. And I've um, been reading about some discussion that's happening at the state level and the governor's focus on dual enrollment. And um, I've also followed some discussion that happened at the Free City College Oversight Committee. There also seems to be some interest in this topic area, and I'd like to pair it um, with a great conversation that I also had um, last Friday um, with uh, uh, Dean Meg Hudson and Dr. Thomas Boatwright about Bridge to Success. And so kind of weaving in um, our existing pipelines between SFUSC, CCSF, and possibly SF State. And so if we can have that presentation, that would be amazing. I don't know if there's another trustee that would like to just second that for the record. Uh, through the chair. Uh, Trustee Williams uh, seconds that. Thank you. Um, and I'd also like to um, request um, that we uh, have a discussion on our board organizational structure as previously requested. Um, it's meant to be a discussion item so that we can um, evaluate our current structure of maybe moving committees um, and meeting together. So I'd like to request that item again. I don't know if I need a second. Uh, I don't think I need a second, uh, but I'm uh, definitely supportive of that. Um, so uh, I've got one as, uh, as well. Um, so, you know, now that we have our uh, legal counsel attending meetings, which is uh, excellent, uh, I, I'd like to, ooh, already answering many questions that, that we have, I would like to get a analysis on how, what are our legal fees and, and what are, just an analysis of the service that's performed based on what, what, we, what we pay. I'd like to look into what sort of, uh, what, what are, our, are the options that we've considered and what are potential options uh, we, we have as, as well in terms of uh, contracting with uh, legal counsel. Uh, are there any other, any additional uh, um, comments uh, from trustees. Uh, Trustee Williams. Uh, yes, I would uh, second Trustee Chistie's request, but really specifically just all of the Free City program, just getting an update on what's happening with the Oversight Committee. I know there's been some infrequency of, of meetings and just want to make sure that that's still moving forward and that we're getting timely reports and all that from DCYF. I would second that. I don't think the seconds are necessary, <laughs> uh, but if, if people want to do that, that's uh, fine. Well, they're required in our board policy, so I don't know oh. if we oh. want to just do it for the record. Touche. Yeah. 
President Wong, I have one. Uh, go ahead, Trustee Green. Thank you. Uh, I would like to see a report on the African American Scholastic Program at CCSF. As we talk about retirements, we know that Mr. Clark retired, as well as Dr. Clark, um, and with Dr. Cahill now at Mission Campus and some of the other faculty there um, leaving. I'm, I'm very concerned about that program. I'd like to see what's going on. Thank you. Any additional? Uh, or, or if, uh, if we're required to do a second, uh, is there anybody that would like to make sure you second that? I'll second. Second. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, any other uh, comments? Y yes. Uh, um, Trustee Chung. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, I, I'd really like to see, um, I know we've received annual reports on uh, the diversity uh, of our faculty um, with demographics, but I, I'm hoping we can get a presentation on concrete strategies. I know um, Mitra uh, Sapienza from Academic Senate talked a little bit about that, but I, I'd really love um, at some point in time for us to touch on what are the concrete strategies and the timeline for implementing them. Okay. Second. There you go. Okay. So any additional uh, trustees? I was going to just say this for my trustee report, but I wanted to see what the status is of the, the city, school district, and board of supervisors committee. Um, when uh, Supervisor Ronan sort of transitioned that to the youth and families committee, we were told that we would still all be participating in that space, and I have not heard anything. I, I know I was serving on that committee and some of our former trustees, but I think it's an important committee and would just like to get an update. Thank you. I heartily second that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Looking around me, seeing no other additions here. Um, I, next we have trustee reports. I want to share that we recently had the, the good news of uh, uh, Assembly Member uh, Filting introducing a bill, AB 264, which originated from, uh, from this uh, college uh, back uh, uh, last year uh, when there's a Lunar New Year. I and others observed that there were students that had to decide between uh, going to class or uh, figuring out whether they're having a feast of their family for this um, very widely, the most widely celebrated uh, occasion for the API uh, community. And uh, last year we passed a resolution supporting the idea of um, having Lunar New Year at all community colleges. And it's uh, state ed code determines what holidays we can and uh, cannot celebrate. And so um, Assembly Member Phil Ting has taken this opportunity to uh, champion this on, on behalf of City College and, and all, all the community colleges uh, across the um, the state, and this would be a cost-neutral and uh, school day-neutral uh, uh, proposal. So I'm very happy to um, see that uh, move forward, and it's a very exciting to see something go from local level to, to state level. Um, that's my report. Um, Trustee uh, uh, Vice President Martinez, do you have any, anything to report? Yes. Um, I'd like to wish a happy birthday to Terry Bloom, whose birthday is on February 3rd. Terry retired as the first department chair of the Older Adults Program, serving as such from 1992 to 1996. She started at City College as a part-time teacher in Allied Health before moving over to the Older Adults Program. Terry earned a BA and an MSW from UC Berkeley. She stays in touch with City College colleagues who will help her celebrate this significant date at her home in Sonoma on 
uh, February 4th. So happy birthday, Terry Bloom. Trustee Chisty, uh, do you have a report? Yes, yes I do. Um, uh, let's see, I want to start off um, by recognizing um, our classified staff that um, remained on campus during the storm to help register students. I really just want to um, acknowledge uh, their commitment to our students and um, also to Chancellor Martin for also being on site and just making sure that everything was going smoothly. Um, I did also have the opportunity to attend Welcome Day, which was a phenomenal event. Got to see a lot of great work that was happening that day um, and also volunteered um, for um, an event to support with student registration and um, did have a few students come in and did not know what to do and called student trustee Malinali, who knew exactly what to do. <laughs> and I was able to um, support um, at least four students who were eager to enroll. And one of them um, you know, just has not been in school for uh, a long time. So it was really exciting that they were ready to get back into it. And um, I, think, I think that is all I have. Thank okay. you. Next, we have a trustee Green. Do you have a report? Yes, I, I just quickly like to thank two people or acknowledge two people. Uh, the first is um, Harry Bernstein. So thank you so much for sending us the email, which uh, provided some clarity on how the board can speak um, when public comment comes up. I think that was educational. So thank you for that. Also, uh, Dr. James McCauley, who is a faculty member here for emailing us at the board about um, the publication of the webpage and some changes that need to be made. So thank you for alerting us, and I, I hope we take that information and do something well with it. Okay. Trustee Solomon? Thank you. I think this would be a report. I, I think for many of us, if we hadn't had this meeting tonight, we would have been at the vigil for victims of Lunar New Year gun violence that took place at Portland Square while we were meeting may very well still be going on. So I would um, suggest that we adjourn the meeting with a moment of silence for all of the victims of the Lunar New Year violence that we have seen this past week. Thank you, Trustee Solomon. Uh, Trustee Chung. Yeah, I, um, I just wanna share with the public, um, just so you all are aware, um, uh, trust, oh, Vice President Martinez, Trustee Solomon, and I will be attending the training happening in Sacramento this weekend. Um, you know, we, on top of, um, you know, really uh, honing on to all the knowledge that is um, at the state level and perhaps a response to that um, locally, I think what's also uh, really exciting is getting a chance to meet with the trustees across California as we really talk about um, ways to address underfunding of education. So that's just something to keep you all aware of. Okay, thank you. Trustee Williams? Yes, thank you. Um, I just first uh, made a big misstep and did not congratulate Trustee Green on his election to the board. And just want to say, Trustee Green, I really appreciate uh, you being here as a, as a fellow San Francisco native and um, as also as a black man and as a leader. Um, I just really appreciate your having you as a colleague here on the board of trustees and just congratulations um, for your uh, reelection. Um, yeah, also just really looking forward to the retreat. 
um, our board retreat so we can uh, really have more time to get into a deep dive on some of our future uh, topics. And I'm really excited, if possible, President Wong to continue serving on the facilities committee. I think there's just so much good work there. It's really inspiring um, hearing about all the projects that we have and just really would love to continue serving there. And um, just again, congratulations to all the new trustees, to Vice President Martinez, to Trustee Solomon and to Trustee Vic Chung. We just really look forward to continuing to work with you all and just thank you and happy new year to, all, to everyone. And thank you for all your service and your commitment. I know it's a lot of hard work and we all are right or die, as uh, Mary said, for City College, I'm right there with you. So um, just really feels good to be back in person and to keep moving the work forward. So, and of course, um, thank you, Chancellor Martin, for all your work and for your team and happy to see our legal counsel here as well at the podium. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Um, is there a motion to adjourn in, uh, in with a moment of silence and in memory of the, the victims that, that passed? Motion. Second. Okay. Motion by Trustee Green, seconded by Trustee Yi Chung. Let's have a moment of silence now. We are adjourned. Thank you. Record. Oh, yes. Okay. Everybody like their time off? Uh, extra? Of course. Okay. <laughs> no, thank you for that, David. You kept us on schedule. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Whoops.